Welcome to The Conversation. This podcast is produced by QSource as part of Medicare's quality improvement organization efforts to share information, educate clinical staff, and encourage improvement through best practices. Each episode discusses a topic that is timely and applicable to you, your staff, and patients. In this episode, QSource Quality Improvement Advisor Kathy Ray invites a discussion about increasing access to behavioral health services and reducing opioid misuse among the most vulnerable within Indiana's communities. Our guests today are Lisa Harmon, President and CEO of Live Well Kosciuszko, a nonprofit that promotes health and well-being, and Anne Hayes, Director for the Fellowship Missions Recovery Hub. Our discussion is in partnership with Hoosier Health and Wellness, who is dedicated to decreasing social determinants of care and addressing health issues such as food insecurities, accessibility to care, and managing chronic diseases. Now, let's get the conversation started. Lisa, let's begin our conversation with you. Please share how we can learn more about your organization and your work in the community and what that entails both locally and in rural areas of Indiana. Well, thank you so much. Uh, so Live Well Kosciuszko, we uh, here in Kosciuszko County, we support our tobacco-free coalition. We support a cancer consortium. We are working on a community well-being initiative with uh, five, um, around five different pillars of health. Uh, social well-being, financial well-being, career purpose well-being, physical well-being, and community well-being. Uh, as part of our work, we do work uh, around substance misuse and recovery. Uh, we are uh, specifically working uh, on a workforce recovery event here in Kosciuszko County later this year. Uh, we try to support uh, employers uh, in the community uh, as they work with, uh, with employees who have different um, health issues. Uh, information can be found uh, at our website, livewellkosciuszko.org. Our second presenter today is Ann. Anne, would you like to tell us a little bit about your organization? Um, our organization is Fellowship Missions, and I serve under that umbrella for Fellowship Missions Addiction Recovery Hub. In Kosciuszko County, uh, we believe in a strong um, resource network for uh, substance use disorders and recovery efforts. And so uh, out of that was born the Addiction Recovery Hub to serve as that resource. Uh, and what we do is we work to um, connect with all of the various organizations in our community and to serve on the various committees and um, advocacy groups in the community uh, to promote um, awareness, education, identify any gaps uh, in the community for services and, and work to build collaborations to um, fill in those gaps, if you will. And then we also uh, just want to be a support for anyone struggling or their families um, to promote their health and well-being and, and to get them um, all the resources that they need to recover from substance use disorder. So my question for both of you, um, has COVID-19 affected your substance misuse and overdose rates? Uh, well, we know from the American Medical Association that um, more than 40 states 
including Indiana, have reported increase in opioid-related mortality during COVID-19. Uh, and many of our counties in Indiana have also reported increases in both um, non-fatal and fatal overdoses. Mm -hmm. Yes, if you look at some of the national statistics, uh, one that I just read um, from some of the advocacy groups and, and the, you know, the National Institute on Drug Abuse, uh, more died this past year um, than have died in a single year of the overdose. Um, and that number came out between June of 2019 and May of 2020. Um, there were 81,230 deaths due to overdose. Um, and that number was a little bit shocking to me, partly because there had been a little bit of a, a decline in that between 2017 and 2019. There was a little bit of a decline. But then I think um, just with the, the climate and the culture, and then when we start um, you know, getting into the issues surrounding the pandemic, the relapse rates for all substances increased. Um, and so while it was shocking, I guess it wasn't shocking that the overdose deaths um, were so high. You know, I, I think some of the, um, you know, some of the issues with uh, the pandemic that, uh, you know, all of us experienced, but I think folks, um, you know, in recovery even more was, you know, the issue of being isolated. And, you know, yeah, that is just, um, you know, a, a terrible situation for someone who's struggling to be in. Yeah, absolutely. We've learned um, in our QSource community coalitions through mental health providers attending that their telehealth options for treatment um, have really bridged the gap with some of that. And um, let's say that I can't get into my local support treatment group, but I can jump on a Zoom meeting um, or an option, you know, virtual platform that is on the other side of the state, but I can still get my support and treatment through either that's telehealth or if that's, you know, a support meeting that's on a Zoom platform. You know what I mean? Yeah, that was just a phenomenal thing that happened. I was just thinking about this earlier this week. You know, this past Monday marked the one year where kind of the whole world shut down. You know, there had been tricklings that whole week before, but I was working in treatment at that time. I was before my position here, and I remember sitting at lunch, and they were telling us, okay, we're shutting the restaurants down, and we're like, okay, that's that's just crazy. And so my my office administrator and I went back and we were just preparing for group that night and we were getting the calls from our um, executives saying, okay, we're, you know, tonight's the last night of regular group. We're going to have to shut things down. But it was so interesting to me. We live in such um, a technology driven time. And I know sometimes it's technology is frustrating, but yet 
I really believe that the technology we have today ended up saving a lot of lives, despite the numbers we see of the increases in overdose. I really believe it saved lives because within a matter of 24 hours, I had all of my groups um, connected with telehealth or on a virtual format. We were doing, you know, the damage control, taking care of people's emotions and, and fears really of what do we do, making sure they had their medications um, with our providers and with the pharmacies. And so it was just, it as, as crazy as it was, it was so encouraging. And I think there was a relief on my part as the counselor to know, okay, the people that I serve are going to be okay in a sense, because I think the worst nightmare an addiction counselor has is to say, you can't meet with your group tonight, or it's going to be a week or more before your people can get their medication. And that just puts a fear in, in you like no other, but also a fear in those people that are struggling because they know that they may not have one more relapse in them. And so to be able to switch over to telehealth format, to be able to switch over and you know, our recovery communities, whether it be AANA, some of the other groups, to see them be able to also switch over and, and get on those Zoom meetings and, and just know that healing happens in community. And without that community, it's a, it's a huge struggle. So, so thankful that we had those formats and, and it was so good just to see those communities even pull together um, in the midst of those situations um, because again I really do believe that lots of lots of lives were saved um, because of our abilities to switch over so quickly and, and I'll add to that um, you know coming with an HR uh, human resources perspective you know I'll say that you know some uh, you know, some people had issues because of financial issues and because of, you know, issues of not being able to go to work. And I would say that, you know, human resources departments and businesses uh, did such a good job of trying to pivot to be able to, to get people back to work, uh, you know, safely. And I, I think that, um, you know, contributed in some ways as well. Excellent points. Appreciate that. When we talk about the medication assisted treatment program can you explain a little bit how that works and and specifically um how how we get access to that and the medication that the narcan that's used maybe you could talk a little bit about that process sure so i'll speak First to your first um, first comment about medication assisted treatment. There are, there are a variety of medication assisted treatments. The top three when it comes to substance use disorders would be methadone, of course, for opioid use disorder. Suboxone is another um, form of treatment for um, opioid use disorder. And then Vivitrol injections um, are used for uh, alcohol use disorder. And also they're finding that the injections are, um, are very effective in treating the opioid um, use disorder as well. Um, so those are the top three forms of medication assisted treatment that we see. 
uh, for substance use disorder. <clears throat> and they are all accessible through various um, physicians. Um, with methadone and suboxone, those physicians have to have a specific certification. So you would have to um, seek those services either through a local community mental health organization um, or with a doctor that is specialized um, in addictionology. Um, Vivitrol, most doctors um, can administer that um, without that added certification. So those would be some ways. Um, local treatment agencies um, in each area would have access um, to those services or help people connect to those services as well. When it comes to the naloxone or Narcan, um, that is used um, in, the, in the case of an overdose. Um, and so you hear um, a lot about that, and there's been a lot of promoting that with some of the advocacy groups. Um, and so what naloxone or Narcan does, it comes in a couple different forms. The most common forms for a lay person to be trained to use would be the nasal spray. And so what happens is if, if a person is in the midst um, of an overdose, the um, nasal spray can be administered. And what it does is it goes to those receptors. It's the same receptors that the opioid um, impacts. And so it can reverse the the negative effects of the overdose. Um, the main thing is the respiratory issues in an overdose case. And so within minutes, um, the, the naloxone goes to those receptor sites and can reverse the effects um, and, and undo. Now, of course, it's really important for medical attention to be sought after for follow-up care, um, but it, it definitely has saved many, many lives. Um, access to naloxone can be sought at most health departments. There are also a couple different um, organizations in Indiana um, that offer that. A lot of local resources, uh, the, your community mental health centers will um, be able to connect you with access to that. Overdose Lifeline is another advocacy organization here in Indiana that offers that. You can go to their website and request. Um, you have a little video training that they have to be responsible to make sure everybody completes, but you can, any person can receive um, a, a couple of doses just to have on hand. Um, I know even schools keep them on hand nowadays. Um, so the access to it is important for sure. Yeah, so um, Indiana has been a leader really uh, in this area. Um, they became the first state in the nation, actually we did to fully reimburse EMS providers uh, for the administration um, of naloxone uh, through the state's Medicaid program. Um, this year, uh, due to COVID, we've seen a 68% increase in um, Narcan administration by EMS this year. So uh, it, it is being used and it is um, saving, saving lives. One of the things that uh, we're doing here in Kosciuszko County as we schedule this workforce recovery event is in that afternoon, we are going to provide um, a Narcan training to our human resources uh, professionals. I think I, I heard um, that you were more likely uh, to need to ad administer um, Narcan and provide assistance 
uh, to an individual than you are to actually administer CPR. And so um, we'd like to get that uh, resource into the hands of uh, as many people as possible. That is amazing. And that that leads me to my next question, which would be community awareness and education. Um, I mean, specifically the businesses and the training that you're doing is crucial. Now I want to ask about community education for seniors, um, youth. You mentioned the schools um, having some training. Is there other public education platforms you're working on? Well, I think there's been a big push um, to um, look at how we can come alongside all of those in addition to our EMS, our, our businesses, um, our you know, first responders too. Um, and I think another, another important thing with general community, and I know we've seen it more, um, more recently here too, is um, prescription um, diversion education, medication diversion education, and how to dispose of it properly. Um, I think that's another big area that's important for all people in the community to know about. Yeah, so um, so RX diversion, what exactly is that? Uh, so it's really the unlawful misuse of prescription medication drugs. You know, and it could also be over-the-counter medications. You know, we see that with teens. Uh, and so um, I have this little story I tell about my father who was in his 80s. Uh, when we went uh, over to his house, he became sick to offer him assistance. We found a, um, a, a, one of, a white, tall kitchen trash bag in one of his um, closets that was full of old and expired medications. And so what we really wanna do is make sure uh, that those types of medications um, are destroyed in the appropriate way. So they, um, so, you know, they aren't uh, able to, you know, harm anyone in, in the community. Uh, and so there are, you know, there are a few different ways uh, that you can dispose of medications. Um, lots of communities have uh, drop boxes um, located at uh, ours, for example, in Kosciuszko County. Uh, it's located at our, at our sheriff's office. Um, you can also uh, you can also give back medications to many pharmacies. Uh, they will take that for you. Uh, and then there's also um, these little medication disposal kits. Uh, that you can actually use in your home uh, to properly dispose of medications. Um, we also want to make sure that uh, prescription medications are not ending up in the regular trash uh, so that they're not ending up in our drinking water. So here in Kosciuszko County, we're really proud of our lakes and streams. Uh, and so just really quickly, I can show you how this works. So there are these little um, these little bags, and you can put the leftover medications in the bag. And this actually works with liquids, uh, with pills, and even with um, patches. And then you just um, put water in the bag, so it's pretty easy. So you fill it with water. And voila, you can then dispose, you can, I don't know if you can hear it, but you can hear it um, 
it, it has charcoal in it that reacts with the medications um, and destroys those. And so then you can actually just go ahead and fill the, throw this in the regular trash. Um, so we're actually trying to get more of those out in the community as well so that people can utilize those. That's wonderful. I appreciate appreciate the step-by-step -step directions on that. When you shared your story about your dad, is there particular marketing or messaging for the seniors? And I think you brought up a good point in the fact that they tend to hoard their medications. I, I have a mother-in-law who uh, likes to hoard her pain medications just in case she's going to need it. And um, I'm just wondering if you had any target messaging for them particularly. You know, we we uh, we have in the past provided um, information to our pharmacies here in Kosciuszko County um, to hand out to folks when they were picking up their prescriptions. And it had information about disposal and about disposal sites uh, here in Kosciuszko County. Um, and then Ann may be able to speak to a little bit more of that. But that's one of the ways that we've tried to um, uh, to educate people in the community. Okay, I wasn't sure if there was relationships with like the senior centers or hospital case managers with discharge planning. Um, I wasn't sure if it went beyond beyond that, but that's a great that's a great platform with pharmacists. And, well, and it, I do know that our home health care and hospice um, when they're working with uh, our older uh, seniors um, th that they also work with them towards medication disposal. I know in my dad's case, he, they actually had a home health care nurse that came in weekly uh, and she actually, um, you know, put the medication in, uh, you know, like the weekly pill box for them. Uh, but still, she had no idea that they had um, a, a closet full of medications. <laughs> so, yeah, just uh, continuing that type of education. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I know that around the time we had the information sheets and we're um, trying to um, do a little bit of a campaign with the pharmacies, I know it, as part of our systems of care, we did have someone who represented the uh, senior population and they were going to also take that information back to the organizations they worked with. So I think really you know, if if you have a systems of care that's that's meeting regularly or just communicating with each other and sharing information with each other is so important um, just to encourage that that information among the community among the organizations you know we all serve in different spheres of influence but if if we can um, when we know it, it's kind of like if you know about something talk about it and and encourage that communication and community talk um, i think that's that's vital in each community for sure yeah we appreciate both of you today um, we definitely have learned more and and have started the conversation and the goal again is to continue that conversation in our communities um, and reach out to them for more um, just public awareness on what you ladies are doing in Kosciuszko and how you're making an impact. Thank you for joining the conversation. If you found this conversation of interest, 
We encourage you to join the conversation by visiting us online at qsource.org slash conversation podcast. This conversation was produced by QSource, the Quality Innovation Network Quality Improvement Organization for Indiana, under a contract with the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Content does not necessarily reflect CMS policy.